deal. At home, turn us up. In your car, turn us on. At work, tell others about Talking with Ms. T, the talk show that's giving you trending topics, noted news, interesting interviews, community updates, and so much more. It continues right now. Miss T. She'll do the talking. All you got to do is be a good listener. Greetings, everyone. You're back where it's at, and I'm here to attack the show with the flow that keeps you in the know reaching and teaching and sometimes preaching a message to all while we have a ball. This is Tanisha Baker hosting Talking With T. It's March 1st and if today is your birthday, you share it with your birthday mates, beautiful actress Lapito Nyong'o, the late Sherman Hensley and CNN commentator Don Lemon. Today on the national calendar is National Peanut Butter Lovers Day and National Pig Day. Today in 1960, San Antonio, Texas became the first major southern city to integrate lunch counters. The month of March is National Craft Month, Credit Education Month, National Nutrition Month, National Social Work Month, and many more observations. The month of March is also recognized as National Women's History Month. So here's to strong women everywhere. May we know them, may we be them, may we raise them. Each week, we will highlight a bit of her story. Today, I want to highlight Zora Neale Hurston. She was a member of the Harlem Renaissance, an anthropologist and author of many books, including Their Eyes Were Watching God. So we've hit a new month, which means it's time for a new theme. The theme this month is Spring Into Action. It's time to just do. Sometimes later becomes never. So you have to get started today. Tony Robbins said, the only impossible journey is the one you never begin. You essentially are what you do, not what you say you will do. Talk is talk. It's when you move into action that your words find true value. All month, you will be encouraged to spring into action. Talking with T would love to feature your organization or business, become a sponsor or advertise on the show. Let us help you reach more people and promote your brand, service, or product. Keep it where it's at. I'll be right back with an interview from Knoxville City's Mayor, India Kincannon. Business owners, church leaders, entrepreneurs, why not build your brand on Talking With T, your urban talk show designed to engage, educate, empower, and encourage. Call today, 865-409-1170 for more details or visit TalkingWithT.com. All right, listeners, have a special treat for you today. I am pleased to have the mayor of Knoxville, Mayor India Kincannon, joining us as we have a candid discussion as to how we can tackle violence plaguing the community. And let me start by saying, Mayor, that I respect the difficulty of being in your position. I know it's hard to please everyone, and there's often no perfect solution to many of the challenges we face. But today, you know, our conversation is really going to focus on the recent surge in youth violence. And there are a few questions that I've heard floating around the community, and I'd like to ask you those questions, get more insight. Um, on the, from the city's point of view. Well, thank you, Tanisha. I'm, I'm glad to glad followed your show, and I'm glad to be honored to be a guest, and I look forward to the conversation. It has been a hard time in our city, and even though the issues are complex, I know we all stand united in our desire to stop the violence. So I'm looking forward to the discussion. Thank you so much. So my first question is, since community violence is really not a new problem, 
Why does it appear or feel like we are just now tackling the issue? Well, obviously everyone's uh, really shattered by the recent deaths we've experienced. Our homicide rate just in 2021 is about four times higher than it was this time last year. So I think we are really in a crisis. So the we have been tackling the issues of violence in our community, but uh, we need to do so with greater urgency and perhaps with new innovative strategies. And so I'm really pleased that uh, City Council approved my emergency budget amendment so we don't have to wait till next year's budget to get started on these new strategies. We can start now. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're interested in that investment. But I do know with most issues there's a tipping point, and I think the rapid fire of violence has brought more attention. But you mentioned that the crime rate, you said, is four times higher than it was? Uh, well, the homicide rate in particular homicide uh, rate. Uh-huh. has been four times higher this year than it was this uh, this time in 2020. And I, I do want to just mention that this is not a problem unique to Knoxville. Uh, I think because of the pandemic and kids being out of school and having just instability and economic challenges, it's been a hard time for people across the country. So these upticks and surges in violence uh, have really hurt our city, and but we're not alone with these struggles. But we are, I am committed to doing whatever we can to stop the violence. And of course, this tipping point, um, you know, is, is just affected our whole community. And when when people are losing their lives uh, as they are leaving school, as they're entering their homes, and and just going about their day to day lives. It makes everybody uh, more worried and scared. And, and job number one for me as the mayor of Knoxville is public safety. When you don't feel safe, nothing else matters. So uh, I want to make everybody feel safe and actually be safe. And so that's that's why I moved forward with this emergency amendment, and it passed unanimously. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing more community-based strategies that focus on violence as a public health crisis, because uh, it's a crisis right now, and we need to stop the violence. So I'm in support of investing in legitimate programs or organizations that have been consistent. There's evidence of their impact, but I also think we can definitely build on some of the great work that's being done. But I also feel there's room for creative and innovative strategies that are working in other places. What do you say to people who feel that input from the community needs to be a part of the solution, and are there plans to invest in those that have been doing work around this particular challenge? I say absolutely. Community input is essential to the success of this. If this were just something that could be solved from the top down through law enforcement only, then we wouldn't have a problem. So clearly we need the community uh, to help us address these issues, community members who can serve as intermediaries, uh, people who can talk to those who are uh, at risk of being shot or at risk of being a shooter, um, if, if I came and tried to speak to people in those uh, situations, it wouldn't be very meaningful because I'm not right there speaking their language. I haven't walked in their shoes. But other people have, and they can um, intervene and de-escalate and prevent retaliation in ways that uh, that we need to support and make sure that we can have it in a very strategic, effective way. Because right now that's happening, but sort of in a more ad hoc manner. And I think with this uh, budget amendment, we can try to find the people who are doing that work, but give them the support so they can do it and do it in a way that's 
stop the violence and also if they're doing just on their own maybe they come up with a team of five or six people so they can be out there available to intervene and de-escalate at 2 a.m. on a Saturday or 2 p.m. on a Tuesday whatever time of day uh, there's violence unfortunately is not predictable sometimes it's the middle of the night but sometimes it's in the bright light of day and we need people to stop and intervene and, and de-escalate at, at all those times whether it's going to the hospital or, or going to a crime scene or, or walking somebody down before the crime even happens. That would be the ideal. So is that the violence prevention and intervention piece that I've kind of heard floating around? Is yes, that, that's, okay. that's exactly. And, and it's, it's, it's already um, been worth, shown to be very effective in other cities. There's some names that you might be familiar with, Operation Ceasefire, Cure Violence, um, those are some of the programs that we're exploring, but but we want to make sure whatever strategies we do, we that they're evidence based, but they come from the community. We we can come up with our own name and use it, make sure that it works for Knoxville. What our uh, what our situations are and who our people are, because none of this works unless you have the good relationships with the people you're trying to help. Okay, yeah, understood. Um, this next question is one uh, that I appreciate you answering because okay. I think a part of what we need to do is be transparent and, and inform the community when they have these questions because if we don't know, we guess, and sometimes we get okay. it wrong. And there's a question about Save Our Sons, mm-hmm. and I, I just want some clarity on if Save Our Sons has gone away or has it um, merged into something else? Are we building capacity and rolling those strategies into a broader approach, or what's the deal with Save Our Sons? Yeah, uh, good question. And Save Our Sons is, has not gone away. We have just expanded it. It's now called Empower Knox, and it's going to uh, build on what Save Our Sons started, uh, which is, you know, enrichment and opportunities, particularly for young men and boys of color, Empower Knox includes girls. It expands the age ranges to a little bit older, and we're hoping to expand it to a little bit younger, too, because sometimes uh, kids um, need these opportunities and interventions, you know, even before they get to middle school. So so that's what Empower Knox is, is taking the, the strengths and successes of Save Our Sons and just uh, building on that, not, not uh, abandoning it at all, because it is successful, and all the people and, and groups and relationships that the city uh, built with the Save Our Sons effort uh, are going to be the same entities and people that we're going to be talking to as we talk about these new violence interruption strategies. So it's always building on and being open to innovation. Uh, this, this, as you said, this this uh, surge in violence is a crisis, and and so doing what we have been doing has been helpful, but uh, not enough, and and we need to have a, a little more. Uh, acute effort at stopping the violence right now. The, the good analogy is if you're a, a doctor in the ER and you have a patient come in who's bleeding profusely, but then that patient also is in tattered clothes and maybe is impoverished and hasn't uh, had access to uh, after-school tutoring and maybe lives near blighted property uh, and all these things, do you, do you, what do you do first? Do you address the blighted property? Do you give the person new clothes? Do you address the food deserts? You first have to stop the bleeding. So hmm. we need to deal with people's food and clothing and shelter and uh, other issues, but first we have to stop the bleeding. So that's what this uh, 
emergency budget amendment is going to go towards stopping the bleeding. All right, so what I'm hearing is we're not just going to save our sons, we're going to save our daughters, we're going to save our young people, and uh, all of that to save our community. So speaking of the investment, you mentioned that a couple of times, and I heard it was a million dollars. Some say it's not enough. So are there plans to grow that funding? And Yes. Absolutely. Where do we go? Okay. This is going to be part of my budget proposal to council that I, I'm going to be sharing uh, in April and that they will review and then the final budget is adopted and becomes effective July 1st. So that's like the normal procedure. But I brought this emergency budget amendment to use uh, because I don't want to wait. This is urgent. This is a crisis and we don't want to wait several months to get started. So. Uh, this is a million dollars that we can start uh, working to use and stop the violence right now. And then I do plan to roll it into the budget uh, going forward. And and then we'll see how, how it goes and how well it works. And if it works and stops the violence, that doesn't mean we stop doing it. That means it works and we need to keep doing it. So uh, that's that's my plan. But this, this is uh, something I didn't want to wait for the regular budget cycle. So, yes, we're starting with a million. And it's uh, something I plan to roll into the budget proposal for the uh, for the next budget year as well. All right. So then that leads us to next steps. What mm-hmm. are the things that we can look forward to next? Like the very next thing we can expect to happen. The very next thing um, we are going to be working with an organization uh, called Cities United, um, and they're out of uh, Louisville. But our, our point person there is a. Uh, Nashville native Andre Canty, he's going to be our liaison with Cities United, and he's working with our folks in the Community Empowerment Office, uh, including uh, Kathy Mack and McKenna Middlebrook and Charles Lomax, um, and they are uh, going to make sure that Cities United does this work. That's their whole mission is to stop violence and create better opportunities for uh, communities of color and other communities that um, you know, need to have need to have support to get back uh, to thrive. So, so we're going to work with them, and they're going to help us make sure the strategies that they've seen work effectively in other cities that we can make them work here. And and inclu- and that that is just a little small sliver of the million dollars. Uh, and that's the bulk of it will be to support the people and the work going here, build on the successes that we already have. Um, if someone's doing it with one or two people, and maybe it'd be more effective with five or six, uh, we, that's what the money can go towards. And, and we'll come up with a scope of work, uh, bring it back to council, and then uh, you know issue RFPs for contracts, and then people can uh, say, we, we can do this cure violence work. We're doing it already, and then and we want to be part of uh, the city's you know partnership and doing this with the community um, in partnership with law enforcement on the, on the other side of things. So uh, that that important balance between empathy and accountability because uh, people living in communities that are experiencing a lot of violence know that law enforcement has to be part of the solution. But if we can also stop the violence before it even gets to be a law enforcement issue, that that is what our goal is with these violence prevention and violence interruption efforts. Yeah, I think that's definitely preferred. Um, yeah. And so... Sometimes we have to be reactive because that's just the nature of the beast. But I, from what I'm hearing, it looks like we are going to incorporate a proactive approach mm-hmm. with the Absolutely. with the prevention and interruption. Pleased to hear that. And also, <laughs> I appreciate your time. I know you're terribly busy. I'm hopeful 
that Talking with T can continue to be a platform of bridging communication and gathering information for the community. So once again, thank you so much for coming on Talking with T. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Everybody's Talking with T, the talk show designed to engage, educate, empower, and encourage the community is on. WJBE 99.7 FM and 1040 AM. Just the best every day. All right, listeners, it's that time of the show where we review trending news, and today I have none other than our top investigator, most often instigator, T.I. Pam. And so we're going to start off with our hearts and prayers going out to Tiger Woods, who was in a horrible accident. And from the looks of the wreck, he is blessed to be alive. He's now recuperating, and we are pulling for his recovery. Yes, we are. He always manages to bounce back after any kind of difficulties or issues. So we're praying that he comes back full recovered. Yeah, okay. What about Lady Gaga? She was out of the country when her dog walker was shot in the process of people trying to steal her French bulldog. Her dogs have a little thing themselves. They have their own social media following. Now, two of the bulldogs were taken, and she offered a $500,000 reward so, Pam, you know, I called you and was like, let's pack up the truck. We're on our way to Beverly Hills. But <laughs> in the meantime, the uh, dogs have been returned safely. And so her family, all the dogs and all, is back intact. And I believe, though, the dog walker, he may still be recovering in the hospital. And I was a little concerned about the reward for the dogs. But... Mm-hmm. No one hardly ever mentioned the man that was shot, the dog walker. I know you've been in the hospital like, well, you know, I'm here. I've been shot. Anybody care? <laughs> yeah, I did. After the dogs were returned, I think I heard them say something about they were hoping, you know, that he recovered and how he was a part of the family. But you're right. Initially, it seemed to be all about the dogs. Yes, it did. I wish we could have got a hold of them dogs. Maybe just one. You know, that's 250000 I was going to take it. was a French bulldog. I was about to give her a French poodle and ask her, would this work? <laughs> but like, uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> well, as you may have figured out by now, we don't have Professor Jay on with us. He is preparing to go back into the schoolhouse after Memphis has been virtual since the whole COVID started. So it's been like a year that they haven't been back in the building. And I also understand that he got his first COVID vaccine shot. Memphis has been having some issues as they rolled out the COVID vaccine. And it was described as being so disastrous that the county health director was forced to resign this past Friday. In Shelby County, now get this, An unknown number of shots were stolen from one site. Two children were vaccinated that weren't supposed to be. And at another site, more than 2,400 doses have been wasted. I'm trying to figure out what they're doing. Were they ready down there in Memphis? They done took the vaccines to the swap meeting. Now they're giving shots to folks that ain't supposed to have them. Right. Up in somebody's kitchen. Do what? I got to keep something up in somebody's kitchen right next to that grease you put in, the, in that bowl. 
That's where the vaccines are. For the vaccines are. You can come over here late night and get the vaccine. Mm. Well, that's not the only shenanigans they had going on in Memphis. Linda Williams was charged with filing fake returns and keeping the refunds. And they said many of the people were unaware that she was adding false deductions to their returns. And I was thinking, Pam, I don't think she's too bright because I don't see how she thought that the IRS would not get suspicious depositing tax refunds into the same bank account. She had part of the money, I guess, went to the persons whose returns it was, and then she had another part going to her own bank account. There's a few things that we shouldn't play with. The FBI, (laughs) the TBI, and the IRS. You can't play with them. They will come and swoop you up so fast, and I'm not letting nobody do my taxes that isn't trained. You can't be doing my my taxes like they're not playing with me and my money. Right, right. Well, I hope she saved enough to pay her bill. I hope she did, too. Before we go, I want to know what you think about the Oklahoma teacher who is accused of calling a student's Black King T-shirt racist. 13-year-old Latrell Taft said he was excited to wear his new birthday present to school. It was a shirt that said Black King, and it had an outline of Africa on it. The teacher at some point stopped her lesson and asked him what his shirt said. First of all, you're an educator, and you should be able to read two one-syllable words. But it gets better. She said, that if she had a shirt that said white queen, it would have been racist. Okay, maybe so. Then after that, she said that they needed a white history month. And so the little boy told her black people don't have enough recognition as it is. We barely learn about black people in this school. Maybe she was right about her shirt if she wanted, I don't know. That that's there's a lot I could say about that, but that's gonna have to be on a different day on a different show. I will say that I think the way she handled her personal beliefs with a 13-year-old was out of line. Latrell said the majority of his class sided with the teacher, so that means she called him out in front of the whole class. So shame on her. Just shame on her. Shame. Yeah, that was bad. The only thing she should have said was if she wanted to say anything about his shirt, she could have complimented him and said, yes, you are king. Especially with so much that's going on in these days and times, that probably made him feel a whole lot better. I don't think the kids would have even thought twice about what she said. Right, and they sided with her because that's what kids do. They side with the teacher. And so that's a learning experience for them, and unfortunately, uh, not a good one. That's not a good lesson. So the parent, his mother, wants her reprimanded, and I agree. Yeah, I do too. Something needs to happen. So I mentioned about Jay. He's had his first shot. I've had mine. Pam, you going to jump on the bandwagon and get yours? Yeah, mine is coming up this week. Okay. And, you know, everybody, we're not walking around here clucking like chicken, so it's cool. We all good. Right, we all good. I just wanted to see what see what everybody else did first, the first. <laughs> I knew you were waiting us out to see. So you good yeah. now? Yeah, I'm good now. My daddy went and got his first shot uh, a couple weeks ago. Still trying to get my mother on the bandwagon. I said, Mama, you eat chitlin', so you can take the vaccine. (laughs) 
Oh, my goodness. Well, Pam, that's going to be it for this bit, and I can't wait to hear what you have to say next week. And I can't wait to say it because you didn't let me talk about the dragons this week. No, no, and no, no, just no. Okay, carry on. Well, once again, we've come to the end, but be reminded you can call in with your thoughts or opinions to our talk line. That's 865-409-1170, 865-409-1170. You can also leave comments on TalkingWithTea.com, share stories or spill some tea. In the meantime and in between time, engage with us on social media and subscribe to Talking With Tea Daily our online newspaper for your daily scoop of trending news to find out what we're talking about. Be sure to stay tuned to the D.L. Hughley Show right here on the historic WJBE. And when you turn down for the evening, check out the smooth grooves from the Sweat Motel. Thank you for tuning in to Talking With T, your urban talk show. The show designed with you in mind. And we would love to connect with you right now on social media. All things Talking With T. And you can listen to the show 24-7, 365 on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and iHeartRadio. Now on that note, T will end with a quote. Start where you are, use what you have, and do what you can. Author Ash. Remember where you heard the word. Keep the peace until next week. You've been listening to Talking with Tea.